two or three years, and uh, a few months ago, we really thought that we were, we were going to lose her, that it was time for her to go home, and, and God just did a miracle, and I want to thank you for your prayers. She hadn't spent a Christmas at home in four years, and we believed, and every year we'd pray, and, and then something would happen, and, and then she'd be stuck in, the, in, a, in a rehab or in the hospital, but she has been home this time for 70 days, amen, <laughs> praise God, and she is doing so good. I should have I sent a picture and put it up because every time I see her, she looks better and she looks younger. And my son-in-law actually even said what I was thinking. He said, she's like Benjamin Button. She's, she's getting younger every time I see her. And I just believe God has reversed something on her. Amen. So I know she's watching right now. Let's shout out to mom this morning and let her know we love her. Amen. She'll hear us online. I know she's smiling from ear to ear right now. On that, on that TV, she gets to watch it on now. Amen. And also, last week, we had a, um, as we weren't here, we were online, but we took up an offering for missions for our work in India, for Pastor Manova and Beulah. And uh, I want to tell you that we're, we're so blessed to be a part of the fellowship around the world that when there's a need, we can fix it real fast. All of us came together. I want to show you the picture of this car uh, and this wreck that they were in. Uh, they, they lost their brakes and uh, were driving down the road. And if you haven't met Pastor Manova from India, he is a joker. And even in the tragedy, he's a joker. And he said, this is my favorite car in this video that he sent. And then he said, that's the only car I have, but it's my favorite only car. Amen. And it was destroyed. And uh, they need about $10,000 to repair it or to get a new one. I don't know what we're going to do or what they're going to do. Um, but he gave the testimony that as people started, especially if you've been in another country, they started gathering around. People started asking, they must, have gone, they must have died. Because in other countries, a lot of times, they'll lay the bodies down and put sheets over them until, the, until the thing, everything's taken care of. And so people were looking at the wreck and saying, there's no way these people made it. And they said, yeah, they're over there sitting on the sidewalk. And they were unscratched, unscathed, no problem at all, amen, to keep preaching the gospel. And some of the people around, if you know how it is in India, there's 80 to 90 million gods over there. And so they said, the God you pray to is the real God. Amen. That's what they said as they looked at that wreck. Amen. So the great announcement is we raised money. We took up an offering here and we raised $10,000 and we sent it off to between all the fellowship to take care of that vehicle. Amen. So thank you for your giving. Get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 13, and as you do, every year we do goals. This year we're doing a catch the fire, as you see behind me, uh, 31-day challenge. I believe we still have some booklets left. Right there, Jerry's saying we do, okay? We've still got some booklets left, so if you haven't got one, please get one as you leave the Welcome Center, and uh, you can catch up even if you're behind. We're challenging us as a fellowship this year to pray and read the Word and fast and give and witness like we never have before. Amen? How many know if you've been coming to this church, that's not something new. It's something we're going to get better at. Praying and reading the Word and fasting and giving and witnessing. And so this is a challenge that starts off with blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. How many want more of God this year than you've ever had before? Amen? How many want to get closer to God than you've ever been before? I do. I do and I am, amen, and we're spending time in his presence, and so in two weeks, part of this whole catch the fire thing, we're going to do something we've done every year for a lot of, lot of years, and that's get, get our goals and write them down, 
So in two weeks from today at the both services, we're going to pray at the end of the, of the service for our goals. Write down five to ten goals. Personal, financial, uh, physical, whatever. Make some goals that you can't do in your own power. Make sure you put some things on there that are supernatural. And uh, pray about it and write them down. Some personal challenges, some things you want to see in your family, your church. And we'll pray over those in two weeks. How many have seen over the years, let me see your hands, you've seen some goals come to pass because you've written them down. Look at around, look at all those hands. It works. Amen, it works. So we're going to write those down in two weeks we'll be praying over there. So I want to talk this morning about something very important called having roots in your life. Amen, having roots in your life. So we're going to start off in three important areas today that I want to talk about that are roots in your life. But I want to read Matthew 13, a a, a pretty well-known parable of the Bible that Jesus is speaking about. How many got your Bibles? Let me see your Bibles this morning. Amen. I want to keep encouraging us to bring our Bibles. Maybe this is a new year. It's a new... Everything starts over again, so it's a good, fresh time. We're, We're not against phones. We think phones are great. We think tablets are great. We think technology is great. But what if the Internet goes down? Some of us wouldn't know how to navigate the Bible without a phone. Amen? Can I get a whistle there? Some of us wouldn't know how, and I don't, I don't want that to be the case. We need to learn the Bible, amen? We need to learn how to, to navigate Genesis to Revelation, find where the books are, and if your phone is, is something you use, don't let it be a crutch, though. So start bringing your Bibles, learning the verses, learning how to use it. Matthew 13, verse 1, let's read this. It says, On the, na- on the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him. Got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables and said, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And I want us to see emphasis on that, where there wasn't much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. And it says, but when the sun came up and they were scorched, and because they had no, this is the key, they had no root, they were withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground. How many want to be on good ground this morning? And yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has an ear, let him hear. Lord, this morning I ask you to anoint your word. I ask you to speak to this congregation, to those that are watching online, those that cannot be here this morning, those that are listening on the podcast. Lord, we ask you to confirm your word this morning with signs and wonders and miracles and transformations of lives. And devil, we tell you this morning that you are defeated by the blood of Jesus. And everybody said? I want to play something real quick that I just thought was amazing. My wife found it last night, and I I just said, thank you, Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful little story. It's two minutes. And it's about a boy who calls into a radio station. And I want you to listen to this because I thought, what a perfect example of being rooted today. You know, it's, it's easy to be rooted in, in the good times. How I many know it's easy to be rooted when everything's going okay? But the true test of a root is when a storm comes. And something happens in, if something happens in this little story you're going to hear that just rocked this boy's world. But I want you to listen to his resolution as, as we play this. Thank you. 
How many need a tissue? <laughs> Amen. That's a boy who is rooted in his relationship with Jesus. You can't fake that. You can't make that up. That you can't uh, try to make an actor do that. That boy called in, and at whatever age he was, he had a relationship with God. He was rooted in his relationship. And how many know for a young boy like that to lose that calf, you could tell in his voice that meant everything to him. And what God said was, God spared my son too. And he just had this, this revelation of God and his relationship. And I want us to think, if that boy can have that, how much more can we have that this morning? Amen? Amen. To be rooted in our relationship with Jesus. It starts with number one, which is the cross. If we don't have the cross this morning, if you're taking notes, we don't have anything. We must have the understanding of what the cross means for us. I want to look at a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18, this is, this is something that breaks it down. I want you to understand there's about 8 billion people in the world and there's only two types of people out of those 8 billion. And this verse breaks it down and separates it. It says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, leave this up for, the, for a moment if you would. For to, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. How many remember when you were perishing? Miss your hands if you remember before you got saved. We, we have to remember where we come from and what our lives look like and that we were perishing. And today, there's a world out there that's lost and they don't understand the cross. They don't understand what Jesus did. That boy understood God gave his best. God gave his son to come down and take our place. And so the cross makes everything equal. They're the rich, the poor, the big, the small, the, the left side of the earth, the right side of the earth, the south, the north, we're all on equal playing ground, and the cross makes it equal. And it simply shows us that for those that don't believe, they're perishing. 
But for us who believe, how many are thankful that it, to us it is the power of God? How many have had a revelation of what the cross is in your life this morning? Amen? And that cross is that bridge over to God, that place that we could never cross. Think about this if you're taking notes. There are no crown wearers. There will be no crown wearers in heaven that were not cross bearers here on earth. There will be no crown wearers that have not bore the cross of Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. A.W. Tozer, I'm reading a devotional from him right now. And it says, The old cross slew men. The new cross entertains them. The old cross condemned. And the new cross amuses. The old cross destroyed confidence in the flesh. And the new cross encourages it. How many know there's a lot of things being preached out there that are not gospel? that are not the, the, the straight and narrow. And we need to make sure that we are rooted in what we believe this morning and that we understand how important the cross is. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, and listen to Paul. How many love to read about Paul and listen to Paul, the apostle? You know what was so amazing about him? He was a man of great power and a man of great influence, but he gave up everything. He had a lot of wealth. He had a lot of intelligence. He had a lot of influence. And he, has, he quotes in another part of the Bible. He said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. How many would like to get to that place in your life that it's no longer you that live, but Christ that lives within you? That should be our, our draw this year, is to be less of us and more of him. It says, God forbid that I should preach and boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ. By whom the world, this is important, has been crucified to me. Don't answer this this morning. You don't have to nod. You don't have to raise your hand. But I want you to ask yourself, have you crucified yourself to this world? Have you died to yourself and do you have died to the things of this world? Like Paul is saying here, and he says, I to the world. That's what he's saying. I, it's no longer I that live. Let's keep reading. For in Christ Jesus, there's neither circumcision or uncircumcision. That avails nothing. He's saying the traditions and the things we can try to do to get to God don't matter. I need, I need to see a new creation. Amen? How many have gotten to a place where you're not, you're not in the tradition anymore, you're in the relationship? I see one hand. Amen. Praise God for that one person. How many have crossed over from tradition to relationship? That it's not about the things you know up here, but it's what you know in your heart. Let's keep reading that last part. And as we walk, sorry, as many walk, according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the God of Israel. So number one is to be rooted in the cross. What is your revelation of what the cross is? Is it, is it something you have around your neck? Is it something that's on the wall? Or is it something that has become your life? That you understand if it wasn't for that cross, you'd be dead wasn't for that cross you'd have no salvation number two ties into that is that, it, that I have to root myself this this challenge this month is to get us to get stronger in the Lord because the Bible tells us in the last days perilous times are coming our faith is going to be attacked like it's never been attacked before things are going to happen and we need to root our listen I was talking to some friends the other day I said this is not the time to stop serving God not that there was ever a good time but this is the time you got to buckle up this is the time you've got to dig in more than you've ever dug in before and get a relationship with Jesus Christ because the Bible says there's going to be all kinds of false prophets and teachings and people coming that look like they have the truth, but their truth isn't in them. We need to know what's right and what's wrong. Look at Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. I sent this out today in our daily verse. 
And it says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, what does it say? Does it say talk about him? Does it say read about him? Does it say, it says walk in him. We need to get beyond just talking about it and we need to be about it. We need to walk in him. And it says rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Ask yourself this year, am I establishing myself in the faith? Let me just talk directly to you for a second. Are the things you're doing, the habits you have, the time you spend, are you doing things that is edifying your life? Are you doing things that's making you stronger in Christ? Or are you doing things or seeing things or thinking things or going places that's drawing you away from that? This is something we have to understand. It says established in the faith. And having been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Amen? Now, I, w- I want you to think about corn. Does anybody in here like corn? Corn, I, I, lo- I, I like corn, but my, I really like cornbread. Does anybody else in here like cornbread? Cornbread. Who's the best cornbread person in this church? Okay, I see some hands going up. You know what? I don't believe you. So just bring some next Sunday and I'll let you know. (laughs) Pastor Mario and I will go and eat it and we'll tell you who was the best. Love some cornbread. But you do got to use some bacon fat in it. If you're not going to use some bacon fat in it, don't even bring it. (laughs) Amen. So corn in a field, when you see those stalks standing there, you see that corn standing up on its own, and they withstand a lot of things, but God gave that corn a two-root system. One was a, 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 a simple root that goes into the ground, but then there's a bunch of little, tiny, small roots that build around it to hold it strong when the wind comes so it can make it to harvest. How many want to start in every way you can? See, cross the cross in Christ is that one root. But then reading the Bible and praying and fasting and witnessing and obeying and doing all those other things starts to put all these other little roots in. How many of you ever tried to dig up a tree? I just did it recently out at our house. It's not fun. It don't matter how big it is. If they got some serious roots, it's hard to pull them up. And that's what I want my life to be like. And I, as, as I was going through those, th- pulling these things up and kind of flattening out a little piece of land that I had, I, I was realizing this is what I, this hard part right here, I want this to be hard for the devil. I don't want to be plucked up easy, amen? I want it to be difficult for the devil to try to move me. And Jeremiah 17 says how we can do that, by trusting in the Lord. Blessed is the man. Now this is a, a, a thing that I want you to understand. How many have read the book of Job? One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I quote it all the time, it's been a while since I've quoted it, is, is Job saying, though you slay me, I will trust you. Now, I'm going on record this morning that I don't want to go through what Job went through. I'm just making sure you hear that, Lord. Amen. I, I, I'm, just, I'm quoting Job. Job did it, so I don't have to do it. Amen. The Bible says we can learn from experiences. But Job lost everything. Job sitting in a pile of ashes. His family's gone. His wife left him. He has boils on his body. And he looks up to God and says, though you slay me, I will trust you. How many have been through some things and you've learned how to trust God in spite of what you're going through this morning? Amen? And it says, those whose hope is in the Lord. Let me tell you something that's neat about serving God. There's always hope. There's always hope. The world's hopeless right now, but we have a God who who has hope for every situation. Here's how we do it, though. Watch the next verse. For he shall be, who's he? He who trusts in the Lord 
and has their hope in the Lord shall be like a tree planted by the waters. There was an old song I sang growing up, I shall, I shall, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. Which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. You know, when when trials come and struggles come, how many would like to be able to look at your faith if you could see your faith on a TV screen and notice that it doesn't go up or down in spite of what's going on around you? How many would like to have your faith be the same level, strong, all the time? How many believe we can get there? Amen. And it says, we'll not fear when heat comes, but but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding this is key right here nor will it cease from yielding fruit how do you know if somebody is rooted in the lord they have fruit they're bearing fruit and 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 it's not i want to be like that piece of grass that's popping through the sidewalk you ever seen that flower popping through a a piece of wood or whatever i want to be that i want to i want to grow no matter what circumstance i'm in Amen? Because some people are good at, at growing when everything's going well. But it's, it, the, real, the real test is when things aren't going like I want it to go. And that last verse says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? How many know that if we're not, if we're not in the word, we can be deceived? It says no one can know that heart. So someone, listen, who has roots themselves is rooted is not going to be easily fooled somebody who has roots is not going to be easily deceived somebody who has roots is not going to be easily discouraged i'm not talking about anybody in here today but i know some people who their faith is like a roller coaster it just depends on what the circumstances are I don't, I don't want my life to be like that. I want to be strong all the time because it's not about me. It's about Jesus and the cross. It's about who he is in me this morning. Amen? And that I have such a strong relationship with him and I'm so rooted in him that nothing can pull me away from it. Our church, our call is to continue to dig deep. But not just to say that we have a head knowledge, but to have strong roots. And so as things come our way, people look at us. How many have been witnessing? How many, let me see your hands. You've been trying to witness. I'd like to see more. I'm not trying to make, don't raise if you're not doing it, but I'd like to see more hands going. This is what, this is what we're about. Over here in this welcome center, I've got help for you. How many would like to, like to witness? Let me ask you that. How many would like to be a better witness? I believe all of us in our hearts want to. Over there in that welcome center are Jesus cards that have the salvation prayer on the back of it. Over there are chick tracks that we just ordered a thousand of them for Costa Rica. And we'll keep ordering them until, until they don't make anymore. And we'll keep passing them out. Now I want everybody just to do this. Put your hand up like this. And then go like this. You can witness. All you got to do is grab a Jesus card. And, and some of you could even be ambidextrous. And use both hands, left or right. And then maybe if the Holy Ghost boldness comes on you, you could say, God bless you. Or Jesus loves you. Or like I did the other day when I was going through some drive through and these two young boys were super excited to get this comic book. They're like, whoa, we've never seen anything like this before. What is this? I said, this is a book that tells about how Jesus changed my life. You can make it personal. How many know you can do that this morning? 
Why am I saying that? Because when you start to reach out to other people, you start to root yourself and you start to show people that you care more about them than you do yourself. But, the but about that is, is as you start sharing your faith to your neighbors and your family members and your, and your, and your coworkers, they're going to watch. They're going to wait till you run into a difficult situation and they're going to watch and see how you react. And God wants us to react in a strong way. He wants us to be like Job. They, those friends of his were trying to mock him and make fun of him and he stayed the course and his, even his own wife said, curse God. And he said, no, I can't do that. How many want that kind of relationship? I ask you again, do you know Christ? Teenagers, do you know Christ? personally by the way can we give a hand to the teenagers who for about a year now have been sitting right on the front row every service faithfully amen proud of you guys but you you have to have a relationship for yourself with Jesus you can't say my relationship that my parents have or my relationship that I heard about is that Paul Paul talks about in the book of Acts a guy did that one time he said, I come at you and I cast you out in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And those demons jumped him. You can't, you can't pray in the name of Jesus who somebody else believes in. You have to get a knowledge of it for yourself. Amen? It's so good to have my good friend Steve and his beautiful wife Hannah here from Australia this morning. Amen? We're basketball buddies with David and Brian and Dwayne. And, but we all met on the basketball court and... and um, they're here this morning, and I totally forgot why I introduced you. I was, I was going to say something with that, but I totally spaced, spaced out on it. But, oh, we were talking this week. That's what it was. We, we went to play basketball together, and David will not let me retire. And I knew Steve wouldn't either when he came into town. We haven't seen each other for two years. And so I, I said, I'll go with you guys, and I'll watch. And, but I took my shoes. And I was just totally, I mean, I've just been sick, and I was totally planning on that, going out and just shooting a few shots and then watching them play. So they start to play, and they said, you're playing, right? Yeah. So I got out there, and I thought, okay, I'll play one game. And then we played really good, and we won. And then we won again. And then we won again. And then we won again. And then it became really fun, and we won eight games. And beat everybody up on the court and had fun and gave David an alley-oop for the last, last point of the last game. But we went to eat after that, and we were talking about our relationships with the Lord. And he said something that was been in my spirit, that many people's hell and heaven depends on 18 inches from your head to your heart. People aren't going to get into heaven with a head knowledge. You have to have Jesus Christ in your heart. You have to know who Jesus Christ is. And when a real devil comes at you, you need to know you serve a real Jesus. And you can't defend yourself in the name of somebody else's Jesus. You've got to know him for yourself. Amen? And he's real. He's real this morning. How many believe Jesus is real? Finally, we need to be rooted in the body of Christ. This right here which the devil tries to fight us on sometimes when we have to cancel a service or two or, or we have to do some things for precautionarily to try to keep our, uh, from spreading or whatever. This is what the devil doesn't want. He doesn't want us to come together. He doesn't want us to be in the house together. We, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about this, about the body. We're all part of the body of Christ. It says, as the body is one as, and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one, as is also Christ. 
For by one spirit we were all baptized into the body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we've all been made to drink of the one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is, not, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, I'm not, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, say I'm one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? What's it, what am I trying to tell you with this? What is the Holy Spirit telling us through this word? Every one of us count. In this church, we have seen God do so many amazing things. We're, we, we, we've started this church in Tanzania. We're starting this church next week in Bowie. We're going to start more churches. We've been able to, 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 to give like we've never been able to give. We've been able to impact lives. I could give the microphone this morning all across this place and hear testimony after testimony of people being set free from drugs and alcohol and marriages restored and all these amazing miracles that God has done in this church. But you know why it's happened? It hasn't been because of me. It's been because of every member of the body of Jesus Christ every single person in this church who does their part. There are people in this church that come every single service of every single week, of every single year. We have some in here that have been here since the very first service. We have people in here who you are foundations and columns in this church. Amen. You are super, super important. But people might not even know who you are because you're not here to get a pat on the back. You're here because you're understanding I'm part of the body of Christ. And how cool is it today to know, like we talk about all the time, that, that we're a part of a, of, of a fellowship of churches inside the body of Christ. And there are many, many fellowships like us, but we have one that we're a part of that we're able to work with all around the world, like I talked about in India today, and be able to do something some of us might never, ever, ever in our life even think about going to India or Africa, or Czech Republic, or any place in the world, but we're all part of the body. But he's saying here that it's not just the visible parts of the body that are important. How many know your spleen's important? Your liver, your lungs, things that aren't even visible. And I started thinking about back when, there was a story I was reading about back when Ronald Reagan was, uh, tried to be assassinated back in the early 80s. And he had to be out of office for a while. I was about seven years old. I remember vividly when he got shot. And he was out of office for a while. I don't remember how long it was. But guess what? The government of the United States kept functioning. A vice president stepped up. The government came around. They kept functioning. But at the same time that that happened, over in Philadelphia, there was a, 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 a group of garbage collectors who went on strike. And those garbage collectors, when they went on strike, meant nobody was picking up the garbage. And all of a sudden, that city began to smell horribly. And how many know there's a big difference between the president who runs the country, and he can, he can get out the way and, it, and the country still function, but when people aren't picking up the garbage, it stinketh. Hey Amen. How many love your garbage collectors? I know I love mine. I get excited every time I see that truck. He's taking our stuff away. Amen. Amen. What am I trying to say? That, that garbage collector who might not seem like he's important, when, when they don't do their job, all of a sudden you find out how real that job is. 
It's the same way in the church today. We're in here, and I'm up here, and I get to minister and preach what the Lord's put on my heart. And by the way, I didn't ask for this. I'm just doing what God told me to do. Amen? But there's people behind this wall dealing with all your little brats back there. Amen? (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. But people are behind the scenes, amen, praying. How many know there's going to be people in heaven that are going to have a crown that is unbelievable that prayed, that just prayed and sought the face of God and and loved people, amen? I want to close with this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. The body of Christ is soil for your root. This is soil for your root. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as we see the day approaching. It seems to me like now, as Jesus' return is closer every single day, here we are another year closer, people are, are not seeing the value of coming to church. Or they're not seeing the value of being around other believers. And it's being fought like crazy. But I, I commend you for being here this morning. Don't stop being around godly people. Because when you get out there and you get isolated, you put yourself in a dangerous place. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, Therefore comfort one another and edify one another just as you are also doing. If you have an encouraging spirit this morning, keep encouraging people. If there's one thing we need today, it's encouragement. You can make it. You can do it. You're, great. you're doing a great job. Amen. How many know it's awesome to hear someone tell you you're doing a great job? It doesn't mean that we're doing it for that reason, but it sure does put some gas in there, in the car. Amen? To have somebody recognize that we're doing something, but the great thing is God recognizes all of it. One last verse. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to finish with a powerful story. Verse 11. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets and some evangelists. I was just talking to someone this morning. made me excited, but the guy was telling me he's starting to feel the call to preach. It'd be someone you probably wouldn't even, even probably even, even know or even imagine. But just to have somebody being, beginning to hear that call it, it, is, it makes us understand when God tells you to do something, it's not you. It's God calling you to do it. And, and I didn't say this in the first service, but I'm going to say it now. I gave a word to the men on Friday, and I, and I believe now it's time to extend it to everybody else as well, the whole church, that this is going to be a year of acceleration for the people who are in tune with the Holy Spirit, for people who are listening to the voice of God and spending time with Him, He's going to call you to do things. He's going to call you to step out of your comfort zones. He's going to call you to do things that you've been fighting for a long time. And of of course, you're the one that's going to have to answer the call or not. But if you'll answer and you'll say, yes, Lord, and you'll begin to say yes, not only will He accelerate the work, He'll advance you and elevate you. And that goes across the board, amen? And I believe it's going to happen quickly for whoever will. You know, some of you need to realize you're going to have to say yes eventually. So you might as well say it yes quicker. Amen. So for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. How many know that if people don't say yes, if you don't say yes, their destiny is tied to you? Their soul, their salvation is tied to you for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. That's, our, that's my desire. Not in myself, but in Christ. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speak the truth in love. Grow up in all things to Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. How many know that the evidence of our root is fruit? When you look at somebody's life as the musicians begin to come, when you look at somebody's life, you have to see fruit. When somebody looks at your life this morning, you have to see fruit. If you're wondering, how rooted am I in God this morning? You need to begin to say, Lord, am I bearing fruit in my life? It needs to become, when we talk about this personal thing, it, it, it comes to accountability with God. How many would pray this morning and ask God to show you anything that's hindering God moving in your life? Anything that's stopping you from being everything that God wants you to be? To, to, to be the, the, the man or woman of God that He has called you to be, to do the things that God has called you to do. How many know a little bit of sacrifice here is going to go a long ways? I want to read a story to end that I've, I've read a, a couple times over the years, but I just felt fitting this morning for this message. To, for us to get an understanding of how real the call of God is. And I, I think it's a perfect ending to that beginning with that boy. I love kids, and I love to see the, the pureness of a kid's heart. I love to hear what that boy was saying from the, just, God, I don't understand. And then God spoke to me, and, and, and he got that revelation that there is a real God. Not just a God of a fairy tale or a God of a book, but a real God with a real relationship. And so I want to read this story. But years ago, there was a very wealthy man who, has devoted, who had devoted his, his uh, life to paintings. He had shared this passion with his young and one and only son. And this passion for collecting took him around the world. He had lots of finances, and, and, and they were adding in their collection little by little. And this man had accumulated Picasso and Van Gogh and Monet and many other adorned paintings on the walls of their family mansion. The widowed elderly man looked on his son with satisfaction as he knew his son was becoming an experienced collector. The son's trained eye and sharp business mind caused his father to beam with pride knowing that he would carry on his, his love for art. As winter approached, wharf engulfed their, nation, engulfed their nation and the young man left to serve his country. Only after a few short weeks, his father received a telegram. His beloved son was missing in action. The art collector anxiously awaited more news, fearing he would never see his son again. Within days, his fears were confirmed, and the young man had died while rushing a soldier to medical help. Distraught and lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and sadness. The joy of the season that he and his son had looked so forward to would no longer happen. On Christmas morning, a knock on the door awakened the depressed old man. As he walked to the door, the masterpieces of art on the walls only reminded him that his son was not coming home. As he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hand. 
he introduced himself by saying, Sir, I was a friend of your son. I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I come in for a few moments? I have something to show you. As the two began to talk, the soldier told of how the man's son had told everyone of not to mention his father's love, but is also his fine art. And he said, Sir, I'm an artist, and I want to give this to you. As the old man unwrapped the package, the paper gave way to reveal a portrait of his son. Though the world would never consider it a work of art, the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the man thanked the soldier and promised he would hang it on his fireplace. A few hours later, after the soldier departed, the old man set about his task. True to his word, the painting went right above the fireplace, pushing aside thousands of dollars of paintings. And then the man sat in his chair and spent Christmas gazing at the gift he had been given. During the days and weeks that followed, the man realized that even though his son was no longer with him, the boy's life would live on because of those he had touched. He later found out that his son had rescued dozens of wounded soldiers before a bullet stilled his heart. As the stories of his son's gallantry continued to come to him, the fatherly father in so much pride and satisfaction began to have his grief end. And the painting of his son became his prized possession, far eclipsing any interest in his Van Gogh, Picasso, or Monet's. He had told his neighbors, this is the greatest gift I've ever received. The following spring, the old man became ill and passed away. The art world grew in anticipation. Unmindful of the story of the man's only son, but in his honor, these paintings would be sold at an auction. According to the will of the old man, all the artworks would be auctioned on Christmas Day, the day that he had received his greatest gift. Soon, collectors arrived from all around the world gathering to bid on some of these spectacular paintings. Dreams would be fulfilled this day. Greatness would be achieved as many claimed, I've got the greatest collection. The auction began with a painting that was not on the museum's list. It was the painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked the open room, who will start with the bid? Who will bid $100 for this painting? Minutes passed and no one spoke. From the back of the room, Someone yelled, who cares about this painting? It's just a picture. Let's forget about it and get on to the good stuff. More voices echoed in agreement and they said, no. The auctioneer said, we have to sell this painting first. Who will take the sun? Finally, a friend of the old man spoke. He was the gardener of the house. He said, I've only got $10, but I knew the boy. I would like to have this painting. As soon as he bought it, the auctioneer said, after more silence, going once, going twice, gone, and the gavel fell. Cheers filled the room, and everybody said, now let's get on with the auction. Now we can get to the real treasures. And the auctioneer looked at the audience and said, the auction is over. With stunned belief, they said, what do you mean? We've come, we didn't come here for some picture of some old guy's son. We came here for these paintings. The auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, he said, when this auction happens, whoever takes my son gets it all. That's the picture of the gospel. If you will take his son this morning, you get it all. If you will believe in that old rugged cross, you get it all. 
But you can't have anything else if you don't take the Son, if you don't take the cross. Amen? Root yourself this morning in who Jesus is. Root yourself in, as you bow your heads and close your eyes, in what God did as he sent his only son. I don't know about you, I can't speak for you, but I take the son this morning. I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of the living God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe I'm nothing without him. I have nothing and I can do nothing without him. But through him I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Today, I want you to know that if you're not rooting yourself in the cross, and you're not rooting yourself deeper in the Word of God and what Jesus did for us, if you're not rooting yourself in the body, you're wasting your time. Stop wasting your time this morning on things that don't matter. Start thinking, God, what can I do this year, every day, every week, every month that's going to have a lasting eternal impact on this world that's going to affect lives going to heaven or going to hell this is what it's about this is what it means this is what the father's business is all about this morning as your heads are bowed and eyes closed how many will take the sun who will take the sun today maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ You've never been born again. You may even have a head knowledge. You may have been coming to church for years. But today, if you died and breathed your last breath and stood before the King of kings and the Lord of lords on judgment day, would you know him as a savior or would you know him as a judge? The Bible says you can know him as your savior today because he came to die for the lost, to seek and save that which is lost. And Paul said, of whom I'm the chief sinner. How many today listening to this message in this congregation as heads are bowed and eyes closed could say, Pastor, would you pray for me today because I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm born again and today I want to be born again. Just lift your hand up. Put it right back down. All across this place. I've never said that prayer. I've never been saved. I've never put my faith in Jesus. Teenagers, you're not going to get to heaven by coming to church with your family Adults, you're not going to get to heaven by checking the box off that you came to church. You must have a relationship with Jesus. You must believe. You must take the son, as that auctioneer said. If you want everything else, you must take, meaning you must believe what I say. You must believe in the foolishness of the cross, that it is the power of God. How many maybe are here today and you've said that prayer at some point in your life, but today if you did an examination of your heart, you're not living the life that God wants you to live. You're not doing the things God wants you to do. You're, you're maybe you're in that lukewarm, cold place. God wants you to come back to the fire. God wants you to get back. That's why this says catch the fire. Get back on fire for God. Maybe you're watching online, you're listening on the podcast, and we can't see your hand, but you want Jesus to come into your life today. We're going to pray with you right now. I want to ask everyone just to stand all across this place. And as we do, I want you to repeat this after me with all those that are watching online, those that are listening on the podcast. This is a biblical prayer. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I fall short of your glory. Jesus, I believe that you came down from heaven and lived in an earthly body and lived a sinless life 
and then went to the cross out of total obedience and died a horrible death on that cross and you shed your blood for my sins you came to take my place and I believe that after you died you rose from the dead and defeated death hell and the grave and I believe you're seated at the right hand of the Father I accept that believe that and from this day forward I'm going to live that please write my name in the Lamb's book of life in Jesus name Amen